0: Hello everyone, I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 74 of the podcast. It's the 31st of May 2017 as I record this intro. And this week I ask Robin Coburn 10 questions about her unschooling experience. Her daughter is now 17 and has never been to school. We had a great conversation talking about de-schooling fears, sleeping patterns, tips for handling meltdowns, the differing needs of kids and teens, unschooling conferences, and much more. I'm excited to dive into the questions, but first I want to say a big thank you to everyone supporting the show on Patreon. I really appreciate all of my patrons, and I love that you're helping me share unschooling information with anyone who wants to explore ways to live this wonderful lifestyle with their family. If you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week's quote is from Robin. It is so much easier not to be living in a state of siege and battle every day. And that pretty much sums it all up, doesn't it? Parenting is not about winning battles and subduing our children. It's about living together with them, co conspirators, as we adventure our way through our days as a family. And now, on to the interview with Robin. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Laricchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Robin Coburn. Hi, Robin. Hi, Pam. Hello, hello. I have known Robin uh, through online unschooling circles for many years now and have always really enjoyed her perspective. And I love that she's still involved online and at at unschooling conferences, sharing her experience and insight. And I have 10 questions for you today, Robin. So let's dive in. Um, So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and how you guys discovered unschooling? Yes, Uh, we've been unschooling
1: all along. Jane is now 17, and she's never been to school. Uh, When when I was pregnant, my husband and I knew that we wanted to homeschool, but we didn't really know anything about unschooling. I'd read one or two things, and it all sounded a little strange and scary. And then when Jane was 10 months old, and I know this because I did write it in my calendar, I actually read my 1st Don Holt book, which was How Children Fail. And then I immediately read How Children Learn. So I was primed and ready at that point. I joined a local um, uh, local homeschooling group when Jane was uh, about 18 months old, and I started uh, participating online in different lists. There was a local list in California that were the Homeschoolers of California uh, organization, which is a statewide support group. And there was a very interesting woman whose writings I always responded to very positively whose name was Pam Sarushian. And then at one point, there was some kind of little altercation or kerfuffle and the organisers of the list told Pam that she couldn't uh, have a, an advertisement in her sig line. I think it was for a homeschooling group that she was part of. And she said, well, I'm going to leave leave this list. And I was... very worried because I'd enjoyed what she was writing about homeschooling so much and I said where can I find your writing to her and she said well I'm over on this unschooling group and then uh, that was one of the ones that Sandra Dodd was running and I went over there and that's when I really started learning about unschooling and was very 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 grateful Uh, and you know Pam has uh, subsequently resolved her differences with HSC I should just add Uh, but that little moment was a wonderful gateway for me to find this whole other, other kind of writing about unschooling. And it, it, just, it clicked very quickly, I have to say. Uh, my husband, James, is, is a, a film production sound mixer and he currently teaches production sound at the New York Film Academy here in Los Angeles. And I used to be in film and theatre and now I'm a writer and a textile artist and I have a business where I help people write their resumes and cover letters, primarily for working in entertainment, but also just generally. And uh, I actually help a lot of unschoolers with their resumes, both kids and, and parents, and moms especially. Um, and uh, I, was, uh, I would say that unschooling as a definite plan really crystallized for me when Jane was about two and a half years old, and she'd had some swimming lessons. We had this very nice lady that came to our house, and Jane loved the water. We had a swimming pool as part of the apartment complex, and she was playing with the lady. And it didn't seem like she was learning to swim. It was all about putting her face in the water, which she did all the time anyway. And I thought, well, I don't know if she's actually getting anything out of this. You can tell this was before (laughs) I started up schooling, or I wouldn't even have started with with this. And, you know, after... Probably five or six lessons It didn't, didn't look like it was doing anything, and it seemed like we were spending money unnecessarily, and I said, you know, winter was coming too. I said, you know, we'll just stop with the lessons, and then the following summer, I just played with Jane in the pool, and she learned how to swim all by herself with just playing um, and over, over the course of the whole summer, and then somebody said to her, oh, you're such a good swimmer, and she said, yes, my swimming teacher taught me, <laughs> and my jaw hit the law. like, what? <laughs> and I said to her, I no, she didn't. Where did you get that from? No, you did this yourself. So that to me just crystallized the danger of having a teacher. That, that not only will a teacher take credit for your learning, you might give the teacher <laughs> credit for your learning. And it just struck me that maybe this was something that Jane was susceptible to. And so at that point, I, I really became determined to to unschool in, in a way that I perhaps hadn't been quite as determined before. And uh, I called myself an unschooler from a very early age, I mean Jane's early age, because I was in a homeschooling group where there was an awful lot of early academics and people were finding curriculum at, at three and four years old. So in defense, I started saying, even before Jane was school age, that, that we were unschooling. I know that's, that's a kind of a thing, that you can't be officially unschooling until your child is school age, But in our case, there was a, a genuine reason for, for adopting the title a little sooner.
0: Yeah, I mean, the push for academics is getting earlier and earlier, isn't it?
1: Yes, in defiance of all studies and, yeah. and science.
0: I know, I know. It, it's it's really interesting to watch that interplay between you know the um, information and studies and what they're telling us, and yet what we're still fe- feeling pulled um, on a societal level to implement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very interesting. Well, I
1: like, I like that um, unschooling and homeschooling in a way isolated me a lot from from those influences because even though there was some of that in in the homeschooling group, all I had to do was say unschooler, and and nobody hassled me about it anymore. Whereas I feel like if I was in in a more conventional parenting, there, there was the the parents at this my homeschooling group were very gentle. There was a lot of mindful parenting. There wasn't punishment and spanking. There wasn't that that kind of bossiness going on all the time at, at the park days. It was set up as a as a free play park day. Group, not not a having lessons, a mm-hmm. lot type group. So, so it was really nice. And I found some friends there whose parenting, even though their education plan was different, their parenting was very similar in philosophy. So that was really nice. And I wasn't the only time I ever came across um, conventional parenting. Really was when I made the mistake of going to the park on a weekend <laughs> and. People who work all week are there with their kids, and it's just like oh. yeah. <laughs> That was a list moms in a group yeah. complaining about their house day long, you know. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm not part of.
0: I don't know you. I don't want to. Goodbye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know. Anyway.
0: Well, yeah, that was I something I found. You know, when we began unschooling, because because I didn't find it until my kids were in school. That um, I really did um, feel drawn to um, move away from those communities and and relationships right and to find new ones that were unschooling focused because you know I wanted unschooling answers to my questions and concerns and to learn more about that rather than getting the conventional ones because those were the ones that weren't working for me anyway but if I wasn't if I hadn't, you know, um, switched that up, I was uh, surrounded by all that conventional perspective and answers and I wasn't getting the information that, that I was looking for. So I really did find uh, an actual um, movement away from those kinds of communities into ones that I felt more comfortable with now.
1: Well, I would encourage a new school up-
0: to look for for a different community
1: and to, to take a break from being around people mm-hmm. that are going to cause you to question. It's like, when uh, in, in, in you go into recovery, one of the first things they say is, don't keep going and hanging out with your old drinking buddies at the bar because you'll yes. end up having a drink. A little bit of that. Um, and even if it's just online, yeah, you can find people to... I mean, you may not have any local unschoolers or homeschooling depending on where you live but you can always find homeschooling online
0: exactly yeah that's what i found um you mentioned jane and i would love to hear a little bit more about what she's up to right now like the kinds of thing that she's interested in and how she's pursuing it Oh, she's so fabulous. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: Always. <laughs> <I'll wait. laughs> well, her latest thing is, of course, she's extremely excited about speaking at the conference so for the first time. Oh, awesome. So uh, she went ahead and joined the local uh, homeschooling speakers league. It's kind of like, I don't think Toastmasters, but for kids. Oh, so wow. She's been a few times with her, one of her friends who's been, with the whole family has, has been members for a long time. And she's said to me, I'd like to join the speaker league, and I said, great, let's do that. So she goes uh, twice a month, except they're about to break for summer, mm-hmm. and they do break over the summer. So that's what she's doing now, she used to go to a dance class once a week, and then the teacher retired, so now she's doing, doing this instead, and it's really nice. Uh, her activities, she spends a lot of time doing uh, video gaming, electronic gaming, she plays World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. which is... On her computer, she plays Overwatch, which is on the Xbox, and she plays Persona Five, which is on the uh, the, the other system that's in her <laughs> bedroom. Uh, so, so she's got systems. But with the the World of Warcraft, she has she has friends that play it, and they sometimes meet up in inside the computer, or she'll be on Skype with a friend, and they're both playing but separately, and she does that a lot. So, so uh, WoW has been been a social kind of gaming experience whereas Overwatch and Persona 5 are uh, separate. But she'll still be, she multitasks so crazy. She'll be playing a game and she'll still be talking to her friend on Skype. Or um, she'll be texting back and forth and they'll be having a text conversations or group chats while she does that. And it, it beats me. I can't do two things. at <laughs> I've gotten too old. Um, the other thing she loves is uh, Harry Potter. She loves the books and the movies, and she loves The Walking Dead. And she and I watch The Walking Dead together and talk about it and just laugh It's hilarious. Debbie, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very silly. And, and uh, we, oh, that's a great effect. Look how they did that makeup sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very interested in makeup ah. and and skincare. She has a lot of friends who are interested in makeup. Um, one of her friends is is a last called Void Noir that's her name, Void, and she does makeup as art, like her face is her canvas. Mm-hmm. She does this incredible, incredible thing. Uh, so, And uh, she has a couple of other friends who are interested in glamour makeup. They get together and talk about that all the time. And She knows everything. Like if you ask her about some obscure product, she can tell you the whole history. And uh, let's see, what else? She's, she's very interested in how language is used, well, she'll she'll say to me, "Oh, mom, you shouldn't say that word. That's become that's not correct to use that that phrase because it means this and such and such and such and offends some particular." But she knows all of that, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. that And uh, she's recently started learning the ukulele, ah. which ah. seems to be something that a lot of her friends do too. So, she thought, I guess she thought I'd better learn ukulele so we can all play together that's that and uh she's just she's great she's just very awesome and uh our life has been much improved since we moved from our one bedroom apartment into this house we finally have a have a house thanks to the, the death of my mother-in-law she left us enough money to buy a house so um james a lot happier now that she has her own really private place, Mm -hmm. instead of a kind of cobbled together thing that that we live with. We've been here for, I think this is, we're going into our fourth year, so it it really improved our happiness. And the other thing that improved our happiness is that we just got a cat, so we've had our first pet (laughs) last Thanksgiving cat from the shelter. And she's just the most adorable thing. And if we're ever running out of conversation between us, we can just talk about how nice the cat is. <laughs> it's great. Exhaustible source of, of conversation and, uh, and, and communion. of <laughs> a <Plus the> cat. <laughs> uh, Jane had always been nervous to get a cat. Plus, they didn't allow pets. So now we finally got a cat and it's just, Jane says that it. uh, Petting the cat decreases her anxiety. If she ever has any anxiety, she will attend to the cat for a little while, and she feels feels relaxed again. So that's that's very interesting, and neat. Yeah, no. I, oh, and she just became a vegetarian. Oh, she just, did she? Just decided that She still eats fish because she, she won't give up sushi. She doesn't want to give up sushi. That she's so excited and pleased to be a vegetarian. Um, because she feels like she never really did like beef, and she
0: coped with my bad-cooking chicken. So
1: <laughs> now she's
0: really happy. I love hearing all the different things, you know, as you're coming, oh, this, oh, this. You know, th- it's so fun to see all these threads as they weave together for our kids, aren't? isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. they – you can see how kind of, you know, the makeup and The Walking Dead kind of um, go together. Um, I can even see, uh, for us here, Harry Potter and and language became a thing and, and language into speaking. Um, Persona, the series, is pretty popular over here, too. And it's just so cool to see how things weave and appear, isn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. I love it. Uh, so... There was, you know, for a very long time, she wasn't interested in Harry Potter, even though I'd read the books to her, and it just didn't really click. And then suddenly, a couple of years ago, it just clicked as being, became a much bigger interest than it had been before. And and she'll listen to the soundtracks, and she'll, we'll, we'll watch the movies together with the book open, and we'll pause the movies and have a discussion about a scene in the book yeah. and how it's it's different. It's just it's the level of detail that Jane has gone, goes into now with her interest. is, is huge. I mean, she used to be interested in other things and explore them in enormous detail, but it's just, it's just fun. And I also love that she really wants me to share in her interest. Mm, yeah. Uh, she really wants me to watch things with her and she'll still want me to watch her playing a game sometimes, which Sometimes they, you know, it's a bit of a struggle with some of them. The games are sometimes more interesting to play than to watch, but <laughs> I, I watch them anyway, and, and I'll, I'll ask her questions. And it's, uh, it's cool. She has the goals that she has to. She wants to get a certain number of coins so that she can buy a particular skin for a character, and even other that she has to play this many games or this many hours or whatever it is. It's
0: fun. It's so nice when they invite you into their world, isn't it? And its that's something I always am careful to make time for. Like uh, last night I was walking by Joseph's room and he called me in, you know, and I ended up there for 10 minutes while he showed me um, a couple of different Couple of different videos that he'd come across that he thought I might like, but that's how you keep the connection strong, isn't it?
1: Yes, Jane likes to process her her thoughts and not just her feelings, but also like her her plans for the day. She likes to process them mm-hmm. verbally, so it it really helps her to have someone just listen to her talking about the minutiae of what she's what she's going to be doing. Or the order of things, of or whether she's going to uh, do this task before that or the other way around, and it's not it's not asking for advice; it's just literally being the listener. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to be there for that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And,
1: and so, you know, she'll be laughing. I'll hear her laughing, and I'll say what's funny, and she'll tell me what she's been been watching something online or for a funny video, and then we'll laugh together, and it's, it's nice. <laughs> it, there's, so, well, there's, never any, there's never any secrecy or thing. Yeah, <laughs> she, has, she can't keep anything on <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, she doesn't seem to want to. She doesn't have the desire to. Yeah. To separate her life from from our life. Yeah. Which is nice.
0: Yeah, she's not, she's not worried about being judged. She's happy to to share. That's awesome. Um, no. So I figure we better move on to the next question. Oh, <laughs> um, when you were in the thick of de-schooling, what was the biggest fear that was tripping you up, and how did you work through it?
1: Well, now, I, you, you sent me this question, mm-hmm. and I was looking at this one, and... I thought, well, this is actually the, the tough question because I really can't remember any fears. Awesome. Now, obviously, Jane didn't need to de-school because she didn't go to school other than that one abortive swimming teacher. <laughs> uh, it was it's all sort of myself mm-hmm. that is doing the de-schooling um, as someone who had a, a very successful school experience and a less successful home life Uh I, I really enjoyed school and going to school, and received a lot of uh, kudos for, for being a good student. Uh, but I don't remember having fears. Uh, my fears were more: I was unschooling, having, and I think you know, having read John Holt, I was unschooling because I was afraid of what the public school system and schooling in general would do to Jane. That it might. Take take away from her her essence. This is the kinds of stories I was hearing, um, and whether that would have happened or not, I don't know. But I was I was more afraid that that school would harm her than that unschooling would would, would hurt would hurt her at all. So I I don't know. I suppose there was in a sense the same fears that every parent has of you know some maniac stealing your kid. I uh, that. When it, I've noticed that whenever there's one of those, a child was kidnapped, it was always, they were walking home alone from school. Mm-hmm. But, well, there's one, another reason not to go to school. <laughs> always, this is when they get, and, and there's always also, you know, a, a babies wandered out of the house because mom was taking a nap, and it's always mom was taking a nap, and the, the kid. so I never took nap. But mm-hmm. one thing. Um, I felt like I didn't have a lot of fears because I immediately had taken I took that kind of action to address it. Yeah, not you nah, know I you know the only time I remember being genuinely scared was when Jane got lost at Disneyland mm-hmm. for about ten minutes, and she was very little, and that was that was that was fear. But that's not anything to do with unschooling. Yeah, Those things are the, the things that happen to every parent and you know, every situation. There was, I never really felt any kind of fear about how would she learn something because there was so much information available to me already and so much discussion and other people had already asked that question. There was no question I could come up with that someone hadn't already asked or asked over and over again. Um, And, oh gosh, so I don't have a, don't have very good,
0: good answers. Actually I, I think that's really helpful though because you know, from what you're saying, there was there was always answers to your questions, but but you were pursuing that information, right? And and actively continuing to learn um so that you kind of had those answers in your pocket when yeah. when you wondered about something. Um, so I think that's, that's a really important part of de-schooling. You know, you can, you can intellectually understand, oh yeah, they can learn outside school and you can, you know, not send them to school or, or take them out and, um, kind of sit there and, and enjoy your days and stuff. But, um, I think it's more likely that fears are going to come up and, um, you can, It's more easy to get stuck in them if you haven't um, done a lot of learning and processing uh, on how it works, you know, philosophically to understand what you're seeing in front of you, you know, so that your kids playing games for days, you know, how how with fear you can um, really generalize stuff. Oh, they just play all day. Or, you know, whatever you're particular, they aren't reading yet, and they're nine, you know, whatever it is, if you haven't um, dug deeper into how learning really works with um, unschooling, uh, those kind of fears can come up for you. So as you said, you um, were learning, you were reading those books, you were in the online communities and participating. So you were seeing those questions come up even for other people. So you kind of... Kind of inoculated yourself with with uh, knowing with being able to recognize things that you saw does that make sense <laughs> yes.
1: yes it does and I have to say that one of the big things was that Jane was three when we went to our first conference mm-hmm. and the conferences uh, they were so very reassuring on every issue because you see Kids who are just a little older than your child, and then older still, and you see the, teenage- the preteens, and the teenagers, and the young adults, and they're all there in front of you, and you can see this continuing, this continuum. There's our future. Mm-hmm. It's this is all we have to do is keep on schooling, and, and it move through largely in this way, which is that, in a sense, it was a little. I was also even then, I was a little naive because there is stuff that happens. Still, even in unschooling, it's not a guarantee that that, mm-hmm. uh, that your child will never have any kind of problem or emotional issue or an eating disorder or, or, or develop some kind of uh, I do medical issue, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Unschooling doesn't doesn't create a guarantee, and there may be a point where your kid doesn't ever learn some specific thing um, or does turn out to have have uh, challenges learning. Whatever it might be, they, Jane has now twice taken a chest piece. She still hasn't managed to pass the math portion, but she gets better and better every time. And it beats me because she knows how to do it at home when she does tests at home and the practice. She get doesn't get any of the wrong, and then when she did the actual test, she did get enough wrong to not quite pass. So we were like scratching our heads and going, "Yeah, let's not bother anymore. It costs too much to do it every time." Yeah. Well, the only purpose of doing it was for the sake of not having to get a work permit before the age of eighteen. Ah, so she's almost eighteen now. So, we're like,
0: why bother? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's but yeah, me. no, that's another great point. What's you like
1: know, a job <laughs> flying college
0: very early. The,
1: this is it's pretty good for someone who's who started uh, learning about math. Actual, the the like the theory of it, the nomenclature, the the proper, the formula and yeah. stuff as against generalised arithmetic. Uh, about three weeks before she took it, <laughs> but but her yeah. whole approach to to taking a test was and and was like just very pragmatic. It wasn't there was no sense of it being bound up with her self worth or there's any any kind of external thing. It was it was very much for a pragmatic purpose that didn't work out, and she's just shrugging her shoulders and saying, oh, well, it it hasn't affected her own belief in in herself, or or her own belief in her intelligence. And she's like, hey, I can carry a calculator. I've got a calculator on my phone. This is really very unnecessary, and I do know how to do it when it's it's for a real practical reason. So, yeah.
0: No, oh, that's awesome. I don't,
1: I, I, uh, I don't think that... Um, I, I get impatient now when I see some of the questions come up that are so silly. It's like, don't be stupid. It's a stupid fear, which isn't very nice. I didn't say it. I think it. I don't say it to people who are in the group of... It's like, oh, what if my child never... Like, that's just stupid. It is. It is. Your child will or they won't, but they'll still be happy.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because, you know, there's never only one path to something. Right.
1: Well, if, exactly, if, if the whole point of unschooling is to not do school, the school is still there. You know, if you really are that worried by the time your child is, is 15, that that they aren't going to. The funniest one I heard was, what if they never learn history? But what? <laughs> You're worried about history of all subjects, worried about history. Um, if what if they never learn history? Well there's a really good T V channel, you know, A and E. Put that on for a little while. Um, that uh, the the school is always still there, they could always do that, but I hope that you won't make them go if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. yeah. I think Jane had never any desire whatsoever. That was, there was a fear. There, we found one. My fear was that she would want to go to school. Mm. That was my own. Ha! Mm. Found a fear! <laughs> um, and in my mind, uh, I would have felt like that I hadn't been giving her enough if she'd wanted to go to the school. My, my question whenever someone does say that their child wants to go to school is, well, why do they want to do that? And it, it's always been a little baffling, why well, someone would want to give up the opportunity to spend their days doing just exactly what they like in order to go somewhere where they have to get told where to go and what to do by the sound of a bell. But some people have their own reasons for going to school. And if it works for them, great. Um, but that was my fear, was she would want to go to school. And she never did. It was like, you won't be able to... Spend all day playing video games if you go to school, right? I don't want to go. <laughs> that was that was very, very an easy fear to deal with. Never came up.
0: Um, I recall many years ago too uh, conversations online um, about sleeping patterns, and I definitely felt a virtual connection with you because Jane's sleeping patterns seemed similar to Joseph's. Um, so I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how you approach that.
1: Well, I sure wish I'd known that there were other people out there. I've, I think I've managed to track down about two other people who are like Jane. <laughs> um, in, or in, at least as, as far as, as of a few years ago, I only knew two other kids who were anywhere near like Jane. And I will say, first of all, that the way we handled it was only possible because Jane is an only child. If there had been siblings, it would have been much more difficult to handle to live this way, but Jane, from a very early age, I guess I want to say probably from three or four, that was when I started quantifying it, Jane lives on a longer day than, than regular people. Her day is about 26 hours mm-hmm. rather than 24. Uh, so she would sleep for 12, no, she'd sleep for 10. Sometimes she sleeps. She'd sleep for ten, and then she'd be up for sixteen. And if she had a nap, she'd sleep for five, and then she'd she'd be up, and then she'd sleep for another five later. But whatever it was, we were on a march around the clock. It was longer than a twenty-four-hour day. Mm-hmm. And the only time, the only reset we had was her dance class every every week. And sometimes we didn't, we couldn't even get up to go. So I followed Jane on her schedule around the clock, and for a third of the time, at least a third of the time, that meant that she was awake all night. we would get up at 6, and then 7 and 8, and we would be up all night long, and we would go to sleep. And the only way to have a peaceful life was for me to follow her, because she was too little to be left alone. She couldn't do anything for herself, like make food or anything like that. And she would... She was lonely, and if she was left alone, so I followed her. And all of the advice that works for many children to help them go to sleep, or to go to sleep when they're tired, or even even make uh, warm baths and dark rooms, making this none of that, none of that hurt but She wouldn't go to sleep if she wasn't ready to sleep, and nor would she wake up. You know, you could, you could ha- hang her upside down by her ankles. <laughs> She's tired. She just was just very good sleeper, and she was actually a long sleeper. She was sleeping for four hours stretch, which is almost immediately from the hospital. Which they 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 call that. They actually call sleeping through the night sleeping for four hours. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the they yeah. say that, which is most of us when we think sleep through the night, they we're thinking eight hey, hours, but no, no, with babies they sleep between four and six hours at a stretch. That's called through the night. So. Um, she was doing that from the beginning. And uh, it was really very tiring, but also very interesting. And the person who missed out was my husband, because he stayed on a regular daytime schedule. But sometimes late at night, uh, and it was just her and I, we, we spent a lot of time being very close and doing things together. And... And we doing it. We go after. Sometimes we drive. We live near the airport here, and there are those these the light tubes that change colour. And they go that all night long. They go, they change colour. And we would go and do drive like a figure eight from these tubes, and it was very fun. And we would go places that were open late. And we'd go to IKEA, and she'd play at, at IKEA, and IKEA was both a mine or and go to the supermarket in the middle of the night because it was open um, 24 hours and that sort of thing. Um, and then there were times when it was frustrating because there wasn't anywhere different or interesting to go. Um, and then when we were awake during the day, they part of our schedule we go out to the park days and things. And we had a bunch of friends who were homeschooling who, I guess, they scratched their heads, but they they accepted it. They accepted our weird schedule. So They'd be like. In fact, they still do. <laughs> What's Jane's schedule like at the moment? <laughs> so it became, can she come see you or is she sleeping during the day? Um, and well, basically, I, I stayed with her until somewhere around about 10, 10 years old. 10 years old to 11 years old. Um, I started, maybe it was nine, actually. I started working outside of the home part-time. For a bit, And I started saying, you know what, I can't keep staying up all night. But she was okay with it. So I uh, first we, we transitioned out of me just being awake on her schedule to me being as laying down on the sofa, and taking a nap, sleeping while she was awake. And uh, I would do things like make up the picnic basket which we took to park day, and they would make it up and have it at home, so that it was sort of food for her to have during the evening, during the night, or whenever, even sometimes during the day, when I was just trying to nap, and then I would get to a point where I slowly went back onto a more regular schedule. I'm still a, something of a night owl, but I'd be going to bed, at and like one, o'clock I'd say, well, I don't have anything else I'm going to bed, and uh, she'd say, okay, we wouldn't and that sort of thing, um, and now... She has her own schedule, and when she knows she has something coming up, she manages to arrange her sleeping somehow. She'll she makes herself stay up, she pushes through a little bit, so that she goes to bed later. And it's weird. It's like her her whole schedule has accelerated. Instead of being a very slow march, one hour a day, we would go to sleep an hour, two hours later every day. Now she she still. She'll be able to flip herself around over the course of three or four days. But The great thing is that I can just do me. I don't have to worry about her sleep at all. I don't have to sit up with her. What I do now for her food is you know, I know she's going to be getting up at two, two or three in the morning. Is when, or one o'clock in the morning. That's when her break time is going to be. I make her a little crock pot early in the evening and leave it for her. And she has her crock pot when she gets up. And that's that's the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's uh, the fears that she would never be able to get up and go somewhere if, if she was allowed to have her own sleep schedule um, had not come to pass. Um, and every now and then she's sort of like, oh, I wish I had this strange sleep schedule. But it's still up to her to find a way to solve that. I, I can't tell how tired she Sometimes she's like, mm, she's tired. Like, I know I'm supposed to stay up, but I'm going to go to bed. What are you supposed to stay up for? Oh, well, just my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was very valuable to me to to do that with her because we got to spend so much time together, and we still managed to have have our own tension between us too. Um, which, whereas Jane sometimes, if she's frustrated about something, she lashes out at the nearest object with her frustration. But the big thing is, don't take it personally. But uh, it was much more peaceful when I was just acceptant that this was our life. And I didn't try to fight against it or say, no, I wish we didn't sleep this way. When I was accepted and embraced it, um, and and uh, just went with the flow of that. I would say a lot of the time I'd be tired, but I didn't have to be cranky as well as tired. I could just be tired and mm-hmm. still. So uh, I got got used to finding stillness inside me, just being calm and taking deep breaths and knowing this too shall pass. And the truth is that now, you know, seventeen. So I guess it's got to be seven years since I've done the all night with Jane thing, at least. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's. Uh, I don't feel like. I don't regret it, and I'm, we all sleep normally. I mean, I still I sleep normally. James sleeps normally. We don't it didn't permanently affect our ability to to go to sleep at night or anything like that. Which you know, I some, some people do have disordered sleep, and then I subsequently read fairly recently that. Um, Sleeping that way, sleeping during the day, is actually classified as a sleep disorder. What? <laughs> she sleep? Well, no, this is what's normal for her. It's normal for her because any t- any t- any strategy to try and change it didn't work and made everybody unhappy and added stress to everybody's life. The only thing that made our life peaceful and calm and pleasant was accepting that this was normal for Jane. And knowing that I had the ability I don't think I could do it now. I'm too old now. I, I feel <laughs> like if I tried i be I really would be exhausted. But then I was I had the energy and the strength and I did it, I did it. I just stood up with it. And then I I have a good story to tell. I'm schooling parents who are worried that their child Go to bed and, on the dot of eight o'clock. Oh, yeah, try this. <laughs> you know? so, so that's the other thing I've been able to add something to the, the whole um, story of sleeping if I'm schooling.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just so helpful for them to, you know, get to know their own bodies and understand, like, to even be able to recognize this longer day that is natural for them like for us i realized when i looked back so joseph was almost 10 so he was 9 turning 10 in a couple weeks when they left school and we started um unschooling uh and i realized looking back how much time i did spend um, helping him get to sleep and helping him get up in the morning to fit in with the school schedule—that took a lot of time and effort. And then once we were no longer doing that, um, so he was ten, so it, he was okay with uh, staying up on his own. And and again, we noticed it was just a creep, you know, of maybe a half an hour, an hour or two usually an hour so i would i would guess probably 25 hour day sort of deal but it would he would completely go around the clock with it in in a quite a recognizable pattern you know and for years and for years and and he has learned that about himself and exactly the same as you were mentioning with Jane that you know if something's coming up that they want to do they know they know themselves and their sleeping patterns so much that they know ways to shift and they know when things are difficult and it's not worth it you know to say you know what i'm i'm Just, I'm too tired. I'm just going to keep sleeping, or I'm going to go to bed instead. You know, Um, it's just so important. I I just think it's really valuable to know um, that they understand themselves and to be able to work with that rather than, you know, um, being told that that's wrong or having to fight against it every day. Like, can you imagine having spent a good chunk of your childhood just fighting your own body's sleeping patterns? So yeah, it's it's um, different, but it's so important.
1: I can't imagine the kind of exhaustion that conventional parents have who are who have a child that that they're fighting against the schedule, mm-hmm. just for forever. It's it that is people say, oh well, schooling must be so hard. It's like not as hard as going to school and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Not as hard as all of the 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 trappings that go with schooling, let let alone the the unschooling parenting aspect, or how difficult it is to constantly be battling your children—it's just—it's—it's so much easier not to be living in a state of siege and battle every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yep. you alluded to this a little bit in the last question, but I came across a great response that you gave to a mom asking about things to do uh, during a meltdown um, when your child's very upset. So I was hoping you could share some of your insights and tips.
1: Thank you. Yes, I, I appreciate you liking that piece. I went back and read it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something written on on, uh, on a list in response to some a parent's question and, and Sandra grabs it and keeps it on her website. And sometimes I look at my old writing and go, wow, gee, I was so erudite. What happened? (laughs) Uh, That was was a nice piece. But uh, the the main thing about that is, what I remember is Ren Allen's remarks that she once wrote that when her child is is having some kind of meltdown or problem or upset, that that is a cue to herself to become her best self. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what inspired what I was writing. There's nothing I write that isn't inspired by something brilliant someone else has said. I think um, that, that the first thing I would say is it's, it's right in there in that the kind of the title there is to call it a meltdown, not a tantrum. That's the first thing. Change how you describe what's happening with your child instead of saying it's a tantrum which has all kinds of baggage about that it's uh, unworthy of being attended to, that it's something silly, that the child is doing something that's inconvenient. And if you reframe how you describe it as a meltdown or as your child having some kind of problem, it's a lot easier to switch on your compassion and Mm. help your child instead of the conventional me, the conventional wisdom, the conventional advice is, "Oh, if they're having a tantrum, should ignore it, or they'll always use a tantrum to get what they want." Yeah. Well, you know what? As soon as you take that whole idea out of your vocabulary, you could that think, Oh, my child has a problem, and she needs some help, and then next time she'll know what to do and she has the same problem. That's a better, better philosophy. It's a kinder of approach, and it's. The approach had always worked for me. Uh, the other thing, the other tip I have is, is what I used to do. I would print out things that people said, good advice, things like what Ren said, other little tips. And I would print them out and post them around my workstation or uh, where I could see them in my computer, where I'd see them a lot. And some, sometimes I, I even, sometimes I printed out things I said myself Mm -hmm. that's good, I better remember that Yeah, And I would see it, uh, and it would be under my eye all day. And my eye would be caught by these little different sayings, and Sandra has her her little fridge magnets that she has, and that sort of thing. And so I was surrounded by good advice and good voices, even when I wasn't online. So every now and then, I could stop and take a deep breath. There's another, another good tip. Is so always we'll stop and take a deep breath or two first. And then I'd see one of these things and i remember that there was some better way than the knee-jerk feeling I was having that was just a, a carryover from my own childhood. Things like that. Oh, um, and uh, the other thing, something I've said a lot, is that the answer to most problems is in a box marked more attention. Mm. That's, that's the thing. It's always uh, more attention, always helps. And then the other thing is, I think the very first thing I said in that piece of writing is to avoid the known situations. So uh, that's, that's something. If you know that your kid is always going to have a problem when they go somewhere loud and dark, don't go somewhere loud and dark. Jane did not like large crowds, she didn't like dark, noisy places, she didn't like places like Chuck E. G's, that kind of thing, and it was worse if it was a dark restaurant that played loud music. She's never going to be a rave attender, she's never going to go to clubs because she's still the same, (laughs) dark, noisy crowd. Um, Some kids are affected by the fluorescent lighting in stores, so she's like, What's going on? There's nothing going on, but yeah, you know what? Your kid doesn't like the flickering light here. Uh, there's that. And another phrase that I liked, that I I wrote. I guess I kind of wrote it by accident, but it was the phrase "helping helping Jane become emotionally organized." And that, when I was reading that over, just in preparation for this this interview, that phrase really struck me. Mm-hmm. emotionally organized, uh, and that's that's what it is. It, it's futile to try and uh, speak to your child logically and give them a lecture about their behavior when they're emotionally disorganized because that their emotional state is always going to trump their logic. And it's not just children. I think that's everybody. I mean, with Donald Trump. He his, his, his responds in an emotional manner to any kind of criticism, that his, his, even adults, even elderly adults, their emotions trump their, their logic a lot of the time. So you can't try and, and give your child better skills in the moment while they're emotionally disorganized or they're having an emotional moment. You have to wait until they're calm and rational again to try and give them some ideas for next time. So don't try and stop it right then. Ride the wave. You just have to ride the wave <laughs> and and be acceptance. And try and be, be a buffer, which a lot of people see. they just, just walk away and leave them laying in the floor. No, oh, I'll pick them up and give them up. You know, that's the thing. And, and today, these days now, I Jane 17, our... Uh, I find that just being very silent, finding that same stillness that I had when she was young, and I was tired and didn't want to be cranky. I, I still find the same stillness. Be very silent and just let her let her speak, let her let her rat And you know, sometimes I snap back. She's angry about something. I'm I'm still not as good at. Not taking things personally as I would want to be. It's still there's always still um, the goals to reach of always being calm, <laughs> always being being as patient as, as I want to be. I don't know if I'll ever ever be as patient as I want to be, but I'm still I'm still going to keep trying um, because being silent, I know that works a bit. There's this wonderful word, a crazier, a crazier. A K R A S I A. It means deciding on the best course of action and then doing something else, doing some other thing. And, and I feel like I I have that in me a lot because I know it's, best. it's very quiet. You better keep talking. Don't try and offer a solution. And don't try and say, I don't like your tone of voice or any of those things. Just be silent and it ends. And then 10 minutes later, she'll come out and say, Mom, I'm sorry, I snapped at you that's, that's the right course of action, but still, like, someone <laughs> will do something else. But, uh, you know, I guess life would be dull if we didn't have challenges.
0: Well, we're definitely always learning, aren't we? Yeah. But Yeah, you know, and, and it's it, it's not useful to hold up perfection right it, it each moment is each moment and we do we do the best that we can you know as much as we remember those tools and I think what's what's helped me most because is finding out what works best for for my child in those moments like you were saying you know you know that the silence and and um letting them have that space to vent you know to but help them exploring. release. Yes, things, exactly.
1: Not, not like, not uh, not letting them have the space, as in leaving the space, still yeah. being being present.
0: Yep, that's, that's a great point. That connection piece is still there, right? That they know someone's listening. Yeah. Right, and and um, underst- understanding their turmoil, for or whatever yeah. it is that they're going through. Or yeah, no
1: it i can understand that she's having something
0: yes exactly you don't have to understand the the issue itself but understanding for them as a person and i mean it's not hard to realize to remember those moments when when we're um bubbling over with frustration about something it's not it's not the something you know because we can always so quickly want to jump and fix that something right But that's not where they are in that moment, right? And the same when we're upset and we're venting or bubbling over to someone, we're not looking for them to give us a solution in that moment. I mean, eventually, we want to process and get to that point. But in those um, moments, uh, I love that emotional disorganization, that phrase that you're you're talking about. That's not the time for it, right? Right. (laughs) Yep. But
1: one of the things I, I used to have, the little sign that I used to have up, something that, that I wrote down was, what loving action can I take right now? So it reminded me to, to see if my action was going to be loving or was it going to be angry or punitive. Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, I didn't punish, but that doesn't mean that sometimes. Jane, in the absence of, of punishment... Jane saw my stern voice as punishment.
0: Yeah, Rather yeah. Feel
1: as badly as if I had had punished her in some way, which, I, you know, I never did. So. Mm-hmm. So, lovely, which, what loving action can I take right now? It's fine. Yeah, fine. that's a great
0: question to ask, yeah, a great perspective to bring to it, right?
1: Well, for me, for Jane, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. So we should move on to question six here, um, and it's another question that I see pretty regularly out and about, and it's the idea of can unschooling spoil a child? Because especially when someone's new and they're first looking in, it, it might look like the um, kinds of actions that we're talking about would end up spoiling a child, but in reality it's really different, isn't it?
1: Well, I think it's different. I don't think that Jane is spoiled, but I also think that this is one of those occasions that it's something Sandra has talked about a lot, where people are using phrases that are not their own. Mm-hmm. It's not something they've come up with. It's something they've heard or has been repeated to them when they were children or whatever it is. It's not original thinking. It's, yeah. it's parroting a phrase that children can get spoiled. So the, the first thing is, to say you know, again, look at the the language and words that we use to describe our children, because that matters a lot. Our, our own actions and our children. The words we use change the way we think about it. I, I, um, I, it's interesting. I actually have not seen that question very much. No, in, no. In the the things that I've I've uh, been reading, the list that I'm on. At least not recently, but. I'm not on anywhere near as many lists as I used to be, I have to say. I I don't, I participate in just a couple um, these days, rather than the plethora that I used to be part of. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I guess if if spoiling, I guess it comes from the, the idea that a child is spoiled if they get everything they want, so they start feeling like they're entitled to everything, and there's a whole there's a whole discussion of what a child is entitled to which maybe maybe a child is entitled to everything that you can possibly give them as their parent who loves them. Um, that's that's a whole other, other discussion. Um, but is it that is, is a child spoiled when they get angry when they don't get what they want and start demanding things. And is it that they're angry or and demanding or is it that they're actually just disappointed and don't know how to how to express their disappointment? I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, sometimes I think, well, if you're asking about spoiling a child, are you jealous of happy children? Is that what it is? I don't know what, but people are visualizing when they, they think a child is spoiled. Is it, is it a fear? Some kind of fear operating inside them that they won't be able to give their child everything they would want to. That might be where it's coming from. It's if someone is asking that question, I wanted to say, well, no, they aren't spoiled. I don't think that it's spoiled. But also, what do you mean by that? What do you mean yeah. by spoiled? What are you envisioning when you're thinking of a spoiled child? Because there's there's a a lot in popular culture about about spoiled children. The the idea of you know these these uh, Rich children, the rich kids who have everything, and and uh, you know, like like the um, sixteen candles and those sort of teen movies where the, there's always the rich kid is always the horrible one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's a cultural trope that I'm not sure if it's real, and I, I I don't know if people are we are people have they been trained by pop culture and, and conventional parenting to resent children who have been given love and stuff off of freely and, and, and I don't know. I'm not even sure that it's it are children really spoiled.
0: I think I, they're I, I don't coming think
1: they're at it.
0: By yeah. <laughs> I think they're coming at my impression anyway from the conversation surrounding the questions are often that um, it's it's the idea that, that kids will start to feel entitled to or or, and entitled um to for other people to do things for them and expectations you know that if if you say yes more and you get them what they're interested in they're going to come to expect you to always um do that for them or they'll feel entitled for that and start demanding it from other people and i mean uh, from my perspective, it's just that the whole entire motivation for um giving our children things and and letting them do, you know, what they want. You know, if our child wants to go to the park and we can get them to the park, we we want we want that to help them and for them to do things um as often as possible, right? That's that whole you know, of course, we're going to say yes more because those are life experiences. And those are ways that they're pursuing um, what's fun and interesting and joyful for them. But it's just so different because I don't see that expectation developing because um, we have we have such a different motivation when we say we're not saying yes, because we want them to stop asking us the damn question you know right. so the, reality- the questions aren't aren't they, that's the difference the questions aren't um controlling aren't manipulative there you go i think that's the word i was looking for
1: and i think that if if you could also choose not to use the word manipulative about your child ever and then yeah. if you choose not to use that word you have to then search around for other words you might find that manipulative never applied anyway but mm-hmm. My, my reality, the reality of unschooling that I see is that the vast majority of the unschooled kids, as they grow up and become young adults and teenagers, and even even tweens, is that they are extremely generous. Mm-hmm. So they're the opposite of if spoiled is self-centered, selfish children that demand stuff. They're the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's isn't it how they they're going to end up? what matters? I mean, there might be a little period where they they want a lot of stuff, that I think that is almost a developmental stage. Children aren't naturally minimalist, I don't think. They they think there's a a point in in development where having being surrounded by things that are theirs gives them a sense of abundance, and then gradually it it takes off kind of naturally. It's like Jane always wanted more ice cream in her bowl than she could possibly eat, but it really pleased her to have that much, even though there was still half of all full when she was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up eating you know, leftover ice cream, and that's the thing I could plan for it. I didn't have to serve myself all. careful. <laughs> but that's, you know you could you can plan things if you're concerned about waste. But uh, this this I started thinking a little bit um, in and when I was reading, thinking of this question. Over, I was thinking that idea of love languages. That mm-hmm. children have different love languages. Everybody has love languages, supposedly, and I don't think it's as, as necessarily as cut and dried and delineated as some of the early literature on love languages, you know, that book yeah. uh, suggests. That maybe it seems like sometimes it's the love language that's missing is the one that people might crave. Maybe that's a kind of a theory I have. But the other thing is that I know that one of Jane's primary ones is gifts and objects, being given stuff, mm-hmm. and that's it's just, it, it all comes back to accepting who she is. It's not her only love language, but it's definitely something that she responds to enormously, being given something, a, a tangible object, and it really makes her just be very happy, um, even if it's something small. So I didn't create that in her. It's something that in her as, as nature, intended, mm-hmm. um, and it when you think of the the love languages, the idea some are more approved than others. The idea that this is this acquisitive object thing is a person's primary love language is somehow less acceptable than if their love language is spending time or acts of service or whatever. Yeah. I think there are five originally, I don't know if they got extended, but it's, uh, I think if it's not, it doesn't mean that it, that's all she wants. I remember when she was very little, I remember taking her to the Disney store at a mall, and they just started, hard to imagine that this was a new thing, Once they just started coming out with those fashion doll-sized 11-inch princess dolls. Mm-hmm. And before that, they didn't have those. Amazing! Now they're they're everywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> the she saw them and she was so excited. And she just threw her arms in the air. And they were something ridiculous, like ten dollars. They were so inexpensive, and they were beautiful. And there was only the first first three or four, I think: Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and yeah, I think that's all there was. And then, then uh, Ariel came along a little later than the. And she rushed over, and she was so excited. And I said, well, do you want one I'll get you one. Because she was so happy. And she's a doll collector. And so she said she'd have, have Snow White. And I said, well, would you like to get, because they were so inexpensive, I said, would you like to get Cinderella as well? And she said, no, I'll just have one. So right there, she's being offered a second doll, and she... Didn't want it that day. We got it eventually. I mean, now we've got a collection. You know. Yeah. But there was, it was, I know I say inexpensive $10. I know to some people that would actually be a challenging amount of money to come up with for a doll. But uh, the other thing is to reframe in your mind what they want away from being trivia and remember that we're unschooling, which means that everything is educational. And this is what we're buying instead of textbooks. So that's the other thing. It, it seems like a lot, but it's not in addition to all these other things that are related to to school it's instead of that stuff, um, you know, lab equipment and mm-hmm. things that that you you have to participate in through school school supplies. So anyway. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. See, she's never, she's never um, not been generous. And, you know, that's, it's how children behave when you aren't there to watch them that's, that's sometimes uh, spoken of as, as a guide to who they really are. If, if you don't have to, if they still behave well, even though you aren't there to monitor their behavior, then that's, that's a good sign that they're behaving well from their heart
0: naturally yeah yeah no that's a great point uh question number seven i find it interesting how our children's needs change between the child and the teen years and i i found um that it's not so much that they need us less but they do need us differently so i was wondering if you could speak to your experience
1: i'm so glad you asked this question um (laughs) something that i've really noticed recently um, Just a couple of weeks ago, Jane, in a kind of a joking manner, said to me, I don't know why, she said, I can't remember the context of how we got to this point, but she said, oh, Mom, you know I'm just four years old. (laughs) And it just struck me, it's so true. What I've I've come to the conclusion in my thinking recently, because this is going to be part of one of my presentations, though I've been writing a lot about this recently, is that, um, that temperament doesn't actually change. If a child has has a temperament, a certain type of temperament when they're little, they're going to keep that. And it's just maybe manifests itself in different ways with maturity. Um, When Jane was very young, it was really easy to meet her needs because they were all such simple, easy needs. Mm -hmm. And now that she, at this point, of being a teenager, she's older, she can do a a lot more for herself in, in a practical point of view. She does all her own laundry. Doesn't like getting her own food, but she will if she has to. Uh, that sort of thing. There's a sort of period in between where they're not necessarily as, as able to do certain things. They still rely on you. It's like she's 17. If she's not driving, but she could be. You know, she could take care of getting herself to places. Um, so there's a point where she's there beyond those simple, easy, easy. Oh, look, here's a shiny object <laughs> to <a> distraction. Yeah. <laughs> um, aspect to where, where they really do they do need a lot um, inventive inventive thinking from parents to help them to meet their needs but uh, she still has the same emotional challenges the emotional temperament aspect she still doesn't like the larger crowd of places uh, She still still needs to uh, verbalize when she's frustrated shes still uh, sort of takes it out on me a little bit because I'm a safe person there when something stressful and frustration is happening that is outside of her control and outside of my control. You know, outside of her body control. But she's able to calm herself a lot quicker if she realizes what's happening. She kind of says, It's not you, it's this happening. Um, whereas when she was little it would still be me you know, the sun is a shining, it's still my fault when she was tiny, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But uh, she's, she's um, very much more self-aware. That's the change. She hasn't changed yeah. who she is, but she's very much more aware of it as an older child. So, so that makes it easier. But I'm actually a, a little bit surprised at uh, how much time, how much of my time she would still like? She'd still like even more of my time than I can give her. As an adult, who's running a business with a husband. You know, my my biggest challenge actually um, at home is is uh, balancing. But now you know what I'm jumping ahead. We were I think you have a question about the challenges. But <laughs> Jade does want my attention. It's just the quality of the time. The activities that we do together are different. It used to be that we were playing dolls and telling stories and drawing pictures and and I was sitting listening to her make up her stories for dolls. And she be like, And now your doll does this and you say this money and it was very much fitting into her little her agenda for the game, whatever the story she was telling. And now uh um, it's more of a conversation. But she still says that spending time with me is her favorite thing to do, and spending time with her father is her next favorite thing to do, and spending time with all of us together is her favorite thing to do. And this is a teenager who would rather hang out with her mom than than I don't know any number of other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, she get. She gets antsy if we haven't spent time together doing nothing in particular watching a TV show or just, you know, or, you know, she'll be playing a game. It's actually kind of because I have my little writing station in the kitchen and she has her computers set up on the dining table. She has uh, other things set up in her room, but her laptops on the dining table, and I can actually see her. We can put each other you can speak through the archway very easily. And whilst that sometimes interrupts me, that's okay. Because sometimes she talks and I don't even hear her because I'm so in of what i Mom, speaking to you. But So she's actually a little more patient with me not hearing her first immediately than she used to. Be too. She's grown up, but she still needs me to hear her. That's... The thing. I, yeah. I, uh, I don't think that, the you offender know, has that one chart, but how much time do I spend in it? The graph doesn't look the same for, for us. Our, our graph is a little She still needs much, as much time, but uh, a goodly amount of time on a regular basis.
0: And that's,
1: that's good. I think it's nice. She has no plans to
0: Yeah, no, that. I mean, that was uh, has been my experience as well. I I mean, when they're younger, it's more meeting, helping them meet physical needs. Right. And helping them um, get set up for the things they want to do and and get things that they're interested in and go places. And as they got older, it it wasn't that. Yeah, we didn't need to help them um, meet those needs so much right they can they can reach the the Legos they can play the game they can set it up and everything but there was still a lot of time for um, the conversations and the connections and the processing of things because now there were different kinds of experiences so so much more of it was um, you know conver- conversational really, to help them yeah. as they were, they wanted to process and chat about things and so it wasn't like, oh, they were off just doing all their own things now. Stuff still happened and stuff still came up, so they still it was other things that they were learning about, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Is there any sense here that uh, I have to track her down to have her day being and or that I'm peripheral to her life and loving in, I mean, maybe that will come when she's actually moved out, but it may never happen. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be living in our basement, but we might be living in hers. <clears throat> the, the, we have, she's our retirement plan. Oh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> it, it, it's really
0: okay. um, a one
1: it's
0: wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. I know, I know, it's, it is. it um, is. Question number eight. I know you and your family attend unschooling conferences pretty regularly and you mentioned that Jane um, is is now interested in speaking as well and, and tar- started taking that class. I was wondering if you could share a bit about your experience and what it is that you guys love about them. Well, we've been I went ahead and
1: added it up it's either 14 or 15. I'm not sure whether we've been to three or four Life is Good, but we went to six Live and Learn, one Northeast Unschooling, two Good Vibration, White Sky Days, two uh, Free to Be, and either three or four Life is Good. And Jane has additionally been to a white Sky Days uh, by herself, without mm-hmm. her. Um, she stayed with Erica. It was really cute. Um, So... This is how many. Over the years we've been to... Um, and what I love about it, I think for all of us, actually, the, the experience is in seeing seeing our friends and seeing people, people we know, and it used to be seeing people I, I knew online and, and being able to put faces to them and meet them in person. And uh, for Jane, it's always been about meeting meeting her friends, meeting new friends, but also connecting with the same friends again. Uh, she's uh, she's really really loves seeing people that she only ever sees at conferences even though they communicate through the years. She sees them in person. And, um, then the other aspect I like about them is that time capsule aspect that I sort of mentioned earlier that you're seeing the older kids. And mm-hmm. and it's really now that Jane, uh, a young adult, looking back, every promise was kept. Every... When she was tiny and we saw the ones that were five and six and then... then she then became exactly the same as those kids, and we were looking at the pre, the, the twins, and she was she became exactly like those twins. Uh, and so and so and so each each time we went, that that little promise of the future that this is what your kid is going to be like that came true for, in every respect. Uh, so it, it's been very reassuring. And, you know, I enjoy speaking. I, can't, I don't shut up once I start, as you've probably noticed. <laughs> and I also really like hearing the new voices that are coming up because I'm, I, I participate less on, on the list now. I do like hearing
0: new people speak. Uh, okay, well, we better move on to question nine now. What has been the most challenging aspect of your journey to unschooling?
1: Uh, well, the most, the most uh, challenging aspect is that I'm still um, not very good at balancing the time and time for my own things in the time that my daughter wants me to spend time with her, my husband wants, wants me to spend
0: time with him, um, it, and where am I putting my attention? Looking back, uh, what has been the most valuable outcome so far from choosing and schooling?
1: Well, that's a really short answer. Is I have oh. a very happy daughter with no school damage and a close connection to to her parents, to James and me. So that's that's the the, the outcome. It's yeah, that that's that that relationship, <laughs> right? Yeah, a very <laughs> a happy daughter and who seems to be completely uh, aware of the world and. History and culture and science and if she wants to find out about something, she knows how to do that. Um, and she's still determining her, her career kind of path. The problem is not that she doesn't know what to do, but that she has too many choices. She has so many different different interests and ideas about, about her future that she's uh, Not yet sure which path is going to appeal to her
0: most. So, yeah. But that's okay, because that's a nice thing about not having a feeling like you need to stick to a particular timetable, right? I mean, the same. You were talking um, earlier about her um, being confident, you know, as however things work out, you know, how they turn yeah. out. So being able to, to know that, oh, geez, I have all these these interesting things, and to be able to continue pursuing them all to see what, and then eventually, you know, she'll see what, yeah. maybe she'll come up with a way to combine them moving forward. Maybe one will start to stand out. It's, but having that space is awesome. Yeah,
1: time goes on, she just has... Have- I and mean, it's more and more to add rather than <laughs> that's, down great. To that. that's uh that's the outcome. And it's really fun to be able to to be moving into for me the next stage of, of unschooling as a mom of someone who's grown up, who's done mm-hmm. done with the home the homeschooling part of unschooling, uh, in a sense, who's done with, with the educational She's, who's now an adult, a young adult, yeah. and be able to say, "Well, so now I have the expertise of all of these years of my specific thing is unschooling an only child." Here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who was not was never an easy child. She was She was sort of easygoing for a minute, but I realized that was not because she was easygoing, but because her needs were easily met. But <laughs> that's why she appeared easygoing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But who was still very wonderful. And his friends really love her. Her friends love her. She has some great friends who, for a little while there, when she was about seven or eight, she was sort of like, I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. They aren't happy to see me. And it just turned up. they just weren't the right friends for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her, her friends, the people that are happy to see her, are, are, were living in other cities, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now she has her has a very different, who so she just loves. So. It's so much
0: about just just learning, you know, learning about ourselves, um, because over time there's just so many different situations, right? Um, you can you now. Na- and she has both those experiences to start to understand and make the connections between them. You know, it's it's how we learn through experience. You know, it's yeah. it's just so beautiful.
1: <laughs> I've uh, I've never gotten hung up on trying to worry about what she's learning. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't I don't care, or I'm not worried. If they I I don't, yeah. care, that sounds dismissive. What I mean is, I'm not worried, and that's yeah. my favorite phrase of someone else. Someone outside of unschooling has a, a, some sort of question, uh, which is really a question being used as camouflage for some kind of critical statement that they want to make. Um, I just say, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. as I mean it. Yeah. And I do mean that I'm not worried. Uh, you know, it's, you can't argue with somebody who's shrugging their shoulders and saying, I'm not worried, because yeah. I'm not going to get up about their opinion, because they're clueless usually. But you no, know, my job is to be an example. Not a not a controller or a warden or anything else. That's yeah. my job doesn't as, as is to be an example and make sure she has the stuff she needs to to continue helping helping her do what she wants to do. She's gonna learn stuff. Um, it's there's never it's never been for me it's never been a question of making her sure she learns things. You can't know what they're learning, better. so, so I don't care about learning. So I'm kind of not a good unschooler for, in that respect. That
0: I do well. Know. I think for me, in on my unschooling journey, that was that was a point reasonably early in my unschooling that I realized I didn't need to look for the learning, and I, I realized it came down the line. Um, in such a way that that there was other things upstream that if which were basically you know fun and joy and doing things that are interesting to us and if I just did those things you know the the learning would would happen on its own it wasn't right. something that I needed to worry about that I needed to try and control or anything like that um right. you know, what I could do was just just support them and and be with them and have fun but there are a lot of
1: people who are on their way into unschooling that are new that it helps them to hear to hear things like it will change your your focus and see the learning in this activity or that activity. Or mm-hmm. all of these yes. activities that were never
0: never bothered me. I, I didn't care how long she spent playing video games for,
1: as as one of the big
0: examples. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Robin. It was so much fun.
1: I'm very happy to have done it. I hope you can um, find some useful nuggets in amongst that lengthy discussion.
0: I appreciate. Oh, I thought it was awesome. No, really, really. Um, before we go, though, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Okay, well, I um, I have a Facebook page.
1: That's just, I guess, is it Robin Cobra or is it Iggy Jingles? Anyway, if you search search for me, you would find it. My current website is workinproduction.com which is my business site, but my email address is on that site. And I'm on the Always Learning list, which is Sandra Dodd's uh, main uh, John Holt discussion list. My other website is iggyjingles.com, and it's uh, the Creativity Blast blog. It's in hiatus at the moment, but there's a lot of material on there if anybody's interested in looking at uh, enhancing your creativity, creativity. art and craft and writing and making and different ideas about what creativity means, that's, uh, that's on IggyJingles.com.
0: That's awesome. I want to thank you very much again for speaking with me and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pam. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling. Like, how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is deschooling, And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.